0: Hey guys, I'm Annie Allen, a certified divorce coach, RCSD divorce realtor, and your host for the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Podcast, the show that's all about bringing you the practical, professional help you need as you divorce and hope for creating a life you'll love after. I don't skim the surface around here. If you want to dive deep into the wholehearted wisdom of how to have a better divorce experience than everyone else you know by changing what you do, this is the podcast for you. After a lifetime in dysfunctional relationships and over a decade in recovery, I'm ready to share everything I've learned and everything I'm still learning, along with the collective wisdom of amazing divorce professionals and divorce survivors. Because I believe the keys to a better divorce and healthier relationships to come should never be a secret. The enlightening and unconventional wisdom you'll find here is actionable and sometimes even fun, like friends chatting over coffee. So come listen in for a fresh, honest look at doing divorce differently. Starting Over Stronger is here for you, for the help and hope you need before, during, and after your divorce. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Starting Over Stronger Show, where you'll find health and hope
1: for your divorce survival and recovery. Divorce well, live well.
0: Welcome back to the Starting Over Stronger Divorce Survival and Recovery Show. This is your coach and host, Annie Allen, and it is my pleasure to meet you here every week with more information and encouragement as you go through divorce. Today, we are going to be talking about a very difficult subject that I know some of you are dealing with and probably very overwhelmed with. And that is Parental Alienation. And today's guest is Regina. And Regina is going to share her story. And then her and I are just going to talk about parental alienation and what it looks like and how to deal with it. So welcome to the show, Regina. Thank you so much, Annie. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's good to have you here. So you and I met the way it seems like I meet so many people, which is just somehow we end up friends on Facebook, and we don't know why or how. <laughs> and, and then we just tend to like be in each other's algorithm. And so we start seeing each other's stuff a lot and liking it. And, and so I've been following your story for a little while. And although you're not real vocal about it, I'm pretty intuitive. And I got an idea that this was what was going on. And so I reached out to you to just find out more about you, just to get to know you and see if there's any way I could help. And then this is kind of what ended up in having you on the show, because we just talked about your story. And I asked if you would want to share it. So thank you for accepting that invitation.
1: Yeah, you know, thanks for reaching out. I really appreciate it. Um, One of the things that I have felt in this journey is a sense of isolation or Nobody understands this process. Um, coming from you know very conservative Christian circles, divorce is something that is frowned upon, something that we don't talk about.
0: So mm. it
1: feels um, I feel a bit like a pariah um, as someone who is um, not only divorced but someone who had to make the choice to leave her marriage for her safety.
0: Mm -hmm. So this
1: journey can be extremely lonely. And when people reach out and want to talk about the real life, the ugly, the messy, the healing, the, you know, the after effects of divorce, I always welcome that conversation and that
0: camaraderie that can be built um, with people who get it. Yeah, exactly. And I know right where you're coming from, too, because I came from those same circles. And I think that's part of what motivates me so much to do what I'm doing, because I look at the ways that the church at large responds to divorce and abuse and, you know, just toxic relationships in general. And it just makes my heart so sad. And and my predominant thought and feeling about all of it is that it must make God really sad, too because why on earth would there be a scenario in the world where people who are hurting and in pain get more support from secular circles than from their own church but yet it happens all the time and it's it's just heartbreaking and it's wrong and i'm here to bring it to the forefront Conversations, because I, you know, I just, I I jokingly say I like making people uncomfortable, (laughs) but the truth is, I'm just really passionate, and I'm tired of things being swept under the rug that are wrong. Yeah, and I want people to step up and see um, that they're hurting other people by throwing Bible verses at them and not loving and showing grace, but judging and doing all the things that Jesus told us not to do. (laughs) So. It is my pleasure to not only reach out to you, but to welcome you on the show and give you a platform and a voice because you deserve to have your voice heard and for people to come to a better understanding of the damage that is being done when abuse is being swept under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for being brave and being willing to do that. And I just want to open the floor for you to share whatever it is that you want to share. I'm sure that I'll have questions along the way. So pardon my interruptions, but just tell us your story, how you got where you are and and where that is.
1: Thank you, Annie. Um, Yeah. Feel Uh free to jump in as you need clarification or, you know, want to ask questions or whatever, Um, but I'll just go ahead and start with, I was married for 19 years. Um, We were leaders in the church and, I was a new believer. Uh, I did not grow up in a Christian household. I was saved when I was 22, and didn't have an example of what a godly marriage looked like. I married someone who has a very um, was steeped in religiosity and had a, a strong um, legacy of leadership in the church. So I looked to him as the authority um, in our home and desired to be a submissive wife and to have a godly household. Mm -hmm. And in June of 2019, um, it became clear to me that I had no choice but to flee for my safety. Um, At that point in time, I was hoping and praying that that would be a wake-up call for my husband, that he would recognize that this, the anger and control and all the things needed to really stop. And so that was my hope and that was my prayer. And I had a amazing pastor and his wife that were helping me in this process, in fact, um, helping me to find places to live and things like that because um, I had no plan this was a last second <laughs> decision um, and I knew that I knew that I had no choice that it would be detrimental for me if I continued to stay so I packed the bag and I left. I had no idea that um, when I filed for legal separation so that I could get back in the house um, that he would hire a lawyer and make false accusations. He alleged that I had an unidentified third-party male that was supporting me. He alleged that I had an unidentified third-party male that was putting me up at a hotel. And he alleged that I was a neglectful mom when the reality was I was a stay-at-home mom. So I was shocked to say the least. And what was even more shocking was when I would have the kids over... The things that they would begin to tell me. They would say things like, Dad was going to take us on vacation, but he doesn't have any money because you took all of his money. Or, Dad was going to do this, but he can't because you're taking him to court. Um, They would say things like, um, I had a meeting at the kids' school to talk about certain things that were going on. And my ex now ex-husband wanted to be a part of the meeting. And the president of the school asked if that was okay with me. And I had an advocate with me at the meeting. And we both said, no, you know, that's just inappropriate. And so he would tell the kids things like that. Well, mom met with the school, but she wouldn't let me come because she said it was inappropriate. So he was telling them things that had nothing to do with them, that should not have been their business. And then he was straight up fabricating things to them, telling them things like, you know, mom left me because our marriage therapist told her to, or mom left me without speaking to me. And my kids would, in the heat of the moment, angrily say these things to me, like you left dad without saying anything to him. So I'm going to leave you the same way you left dad, stuff like that.
0: When these kinds of things started happening, did you had you ever even heard of parental alienation? Did you understand what was going on or was it way too soon? Absolutely not.
1: I was so traumatized when I left. Um, I went to the domestic violence shelter and for an intake assessment, I couldn't even spell my name. My (laughs) It was crazy. Mm. So I was so traumatized and so shocked. I mean, all of it was so shocking that the false allegations, the fact that he was pushing for 100% custody, was going to try to fight to not pay me any sort of support, refused to leave the Mm. home um, and let me get back with the kids. I mean, all of it caught me so off guard. And you know, the thing is, I thought that when I fled from my marriage, that the abuse would stop then. I did not realize that the abuse would continue using the kids, using the courts, using whatever means necessary to continue to exercise his power and control over me. Mm -hmm. But as I began to see what was happening and observe the way that my kids were interacting with me and the things that they were saying to me that they could have only heard from him, I began to reflect back. Because when you get in a situation like this, I think you can't help but reflect on how did we get here? Mm -hmm. And the thing that I have realized is that this didn't start in June of 2019. This started back in the year 2000. That was when we got married. My kids are now 19 and almost 16. I have Mm -hmm. not spoken to them since December 28th of 2019. And when I look back to reflect on how we got here, I recognize that there was a consistent pattern of behavior within my marriage. And that was that my ex-husband would demean me. He would degrade me. He would disrespect me and he would undermine my authority. He treated Mm -hmm. me like a child in front of the children. And the Bible was used as a weapon against all of us. He would line us up and he would rebuke us. He would call us out on our sin, and he would demand that we ask one another for forgiveness. And then he would make us pray and ask God for forgiveness. This was the everyday pattern of our lives. Um, Mm -hmm. If there was a conflict between any of us, um, for example, um, I asked one of my children to practice his musical instrument before he went and played video games. And he was very upset at me and he started yelling at me and arguing with me that he was not going to do that, that he had already practiced and that he didn't need to practice. And so he disappeared out of my room. I was up in my bathroom dyeing my hair with a girlfriend. And he disappeared and he went downstairs and he called my husband at the time and told him that I was yelling at him. Which this was again, this was a very common occurrence. So if I said something Mm or did something that they didn't agree with, they would call him and they would tell him whatever they wanted to say in order to get him to react against me.
0: Yeah. To take their time. And so, and he would, yes. yes. All the time. Was there any variance to it or he always took their time? Well,
1: what would happen was like in, in this particular instance, and this was kind of a wake up call. This was probably late 2018, very early 2019. This particular incident when my friend was over and we were dyeing one another's hair. So my son didn't want to practice instrument, called my ex-husband, told him that I yelled at him. My ex-husband comes home, walks into the bathroom where my friend and I are both dying our hair and says mm-hmm. to me in an accusatory tone, did you yell at our son? And I said, no, I didn't. And then my friend felt the need to jump in and defend me. And she said she did not yell at him, but he yelled at her. And so we just finished dyeing one another's hair and she took a shower to rinse the color out. And when she walked downstairs, he was sitting on the coffee table and my son and I were sitting side by side on the couch and he was taking his index finger and pointing at him and saying, now what did you say? And then pointing at me and saying, now what did you say? And back and forth he went. And my friend came downstairs and she caught my eye and kind of motioned her head like, hey, come over here. And Mm -hmm. so I walked her out to her car and she said, what was that about? And I was like, what? And she said, well, he was interrogating you. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I mean, he does that all the time. (laughs) And it was so, she's like, that's not okay. And it's those little moments where there's like a witness to the madness. Mm -hmm. And it goes like a little, a little tiny light bulb went on of like, huh. Okay. But as, as with anything, when you're, when you're caught up in the midst of something, like I was in the forest and I was looking at one leaf on a tree and I'm looking at this leaf and I'm like, huh, this leaf is kind of like rotten. It's kind of curled up and it's dead and dry and whatever, whatever. But I'm only seeing this one leaf and I'm like, I don't like Mm -hmm. this leaf. And so it was a it was a process of really my eyes opening to the fact that I'm standing in a forest, you know, (laughs) instead of like, yeah. Focusing on the minutiae of this one particular incident. So, right. once I took a step back, I was able to identify the patterns of toxicity that led us to where we are today.
0: Yeah. And it takes a thousand steps back right. to really be able to see it. How- Huge.
1: Yes. Yes. And so much reflection. And so much journaling and so much um, therapy, my gosh, you know, (laughs) just (laughs) trying to make sense of, okay, so how did we go from being leaders in the church to me living completely alone in a four-bedroom house with bunk beds that have never been slept in? You know what I mean? Mm. Um, So that was pretty much the example that was set for them. And then the other piece was that while he was busy playing Holy Spirit in our lives, he himself was losing control frequently. He would punch holes in walls. Um, He would, for example, kick a, you know, one pound jar of coconut oil across the street into the neighbor's yard because he was so angry. He would drive recklessly and slam on his brakes, like, till we, you know, like, screech to a halt in the middle of driving down the road because he was so angry. He would, you know, slammed his car door so hard that he broke the, the driver's window. Um mm-hmm. and so it was this do as I say, not as I do. And then he would talk to me and he'd be like, Oh, I've got the perfect sermon to preach to the boys. And mm-hmm. Wow. So the the words and the actions never lined up, um, and he did not measure himself by the same standard that he was measuring us by.
0: Yeah. And you began to see this at what point, do you think? So
1: that's a great question.
0: <laughs> I know it takes like a million times of it happening for it to really become right. evident, but at the same time, you know, sometimes people remember... Yeah the first time that light bulb went on so
1: it was fall of I believe 2017 and for whatever reason this like this was so typical but yeah this particular instance stood out in my mind so I'm a photographer I loved taking photos of our family like our annual family Christmas card was such a huge deal like makeup that hair done Mm -hmm. matching outfits like the whole kit and caboodle and so i had decided that i wanted to go out to grinter farms to take um christmas card photos for our family big Mm -hmm. deal like spent a lot of planning preparation and we drive all the way out to grinter farms and we get there and one of our kiddos says i'm not getting out of the car my allergies are killing me i don't want to do this this is dumb you guys go do photos well obviously we can't do a christmas card photo without (laughs) yeah, we <laughs> Without one of the children. <laughs> so three of us go out into the sunflowers and I am just, I'm so upset.
0: Yeah.
1: We don't do photos, obviously. And we get back in the car and the child that would not get out says, I'm hungry. We need to go out to eat. And I said to him, we will go out to eat when we get home. And he started grumbling about it and arguing and saying, you know, he's starving. It's not fair. We need to go eat out, blah, blah, blah. And I said to him, you know what? Like after the way... That this whole thing went down and the fact that you wouldn't cooperate. The last thing I want to do right now is go out to eat. We can eat when we get home. And my husband interrupted me in the middle of that and said, you are in sin and you need to stop talking right now. You need to ask them for forgiveness. To yes, you? Yes, to me. <laughs> Oh my God. And for some reason, Annie, and this is the thing, like this has happened on a daily basis. So why this particular time upset me so much, I can't even explain it. So mm-hmm. I stopped talking and I was just silently sitting in the car driving home all the way from um, Grinter Farms. And I got home and I went over to a girlfriend's house and just like cried. And I was so upset. And I got back home at like 10 and he was asleep and he rolls over and he says, are you okay? And I said, no, I am not okay. And he went right back to sleep. And the next morning we had to kind of divide and conquer. Um, The kids had different um, sporting events in different locations. So he took one, I took the next one, the other one, and we didn't see one another um, that day. And then I called him later on in the afternoon and I said, I didn't realize I was on Bluetooth in the car with the kids. and, And I said, that can never happen again. And he said to me, I was right. And you were wrong. You were in sin. And I said to him, and I, I I just, I did it. I said, I won't be there when you get home. And I didn't know where I was going. I just sort of like said the words, you know what I mean? Without thinking yeah, yeah. about what, what that actually meant. And so there I am, yeah. like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. And I went over to my pastor and his wife's house and She came to the door and she let me in and I just cried and like it all came tumbling out. Mm -hmm. And she said to me, "Um, I think that there are some cracks in your marriage. And she said, I think that the boys are modeling your husband's behavior toward you. That was the Mm -hmm. first time that I ever (laughs) felt validated Mm -hmm. And so she listened to me and we talked and I cried and we laughed and and I went home. And when I got there, he was sitting on the porch and he was saying, well, where were you? And I said, well, I went over to our pastor and his wife's house and he had this very smug look on his face. And he said, well, what did she have to say? And I repeated what she said. And he sent them a threatening text message that said, if you don't meet with us tonight, I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, And so they rearranged their schedule and they had us over. And they have several kiddos. This was a Saturday night. He had to preach the next morning, but they had us come over because they loved us and were concerned. Mm -hmm. And our pastor, in the most loving, gracious way, just called my husband out and said, Do you think you're God? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, you really need to consider really need to consider before you rebuke your wife and you should never rebuke your wife in front of your kids. And again, I had never heard anyone, because I had gone to the church many times over the years um, for biblical counseling over things that were happening within our marriage and behind closed doors. And this was the first time that anyone had ever held him accountable for his actions.
0: And how did he but, it? You know I'm not
1: sure. But I will say that I was so thankful for the way that they just came in with such love and such grace into the situation that they were just kind of was thrust upon their doorstep, literally. And Mm -hmm. like in the 11th hour... Came in and were willing to spend their evening with us and listen to us and advise us. That I reached out and I said, You know, can you please meet with us? Um, Because in the circles that we had been in, like you don't take things outside of the church, it's all handled within the church. Like everything is a matter of, you know, rightly dividing the word of truth. So scripture has the answer to all of our problems. We don't need to seek outside help. And so that was my expectation. And my pastor's wife had said, you know, honestly, we think you guys need professional help, and we just would like to be your friends through this. And that was really hard to swallow because, again, in the circles that we had been in for so long, professional help meant secular. That meant psychology. That meant like sin, right? And so this was like a big like, Ugh, what? You know? <laughs> um, yeah. So honestly, we ended up leaving that church over that. And Mm -hmm. thankfully, my pastor and his wife stayed engaged in my life. Mm -hmm. And as things started really, really spiraling out of control come fall of 2018, so one year later, fall of 2018 into winter of 2019, when I finally got to the point of waving the white flag and saying, okay, this is beyond the church's ability to manage. We had been seeking counsel from the church that we switched to. Um, we, I had gone to the private Christian school that the boys were going to for help. And um, it was truly beyond any of their training or ability to deal with. Yeah, and so I right. reached back out to my pastor's wife and I said, okay, you said professional help surely you have somebody in mind. And she said, you know, I do. And so she gave me the number of a therapist and Mm -hmm. we started going to him. And truly that is when the scales came off and I was able to see reality for what it was. And that was in April of 2019 that we began going to see him.
0: Is my relationship toxic? Why can't I get what I give in my relationship? What can I do to fix it? And what even is hidden abuse? Is divorce my best option? And how do I prepare to leave a toxic person if it is? Can I even get through this and on the road to feeling good about life again? Spoiler alert, yes, you can. Starting Over Stronger is starting a new support group called Toxic Relationship recovery and this is a certified coach-led support group that will help you to connect with fellow strugglers as you get answers to all these toxic relationship questions and more. We are meeting starting September 6th every Monday, four Mondays per month from 6 to 7 p.m. Central on Zoom. It's $55 a month for all four sessions, payable in advance. And you can sign up today at meetup.com slash SOS Divorce slash Events. If that's too hard to remember, just remember toxic relationship recovery and search for it at meetup.com space is limited. So register early. I hope to see you there. It will be life changing. Okay. And so where are things
1: now? Um, now we are officially divorced Now, as I mentioned, I have not spoken to my kids since December of 2019. And now I continue to go to therapy um, to heal from the many forms of abuse that were a part of my marriage. Um, I text my kids. I pray for my kids. um, I grieve my kids. And I am an advocate for... um, women coming out of domestic violence situations. Um, I am also an advocate for parental alienation. Parental alienation Mm -hmm. does not just happen to moms. It happens to dads as well. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. um, it's not a gender gender thing. And it is typically not something that just happens when a marriage ends. It is something that has been happening throughout the lives of the children and the patterns that they have witnessed. And then they begin to model that behavior.
0: Well, so backing up a little, um, your divorce, how long did it take? So
1: I left, June twentieth of two thousand nineteen. Our divorce was final January seventh, two thousand twenty one. So a year and a half.
0: Year and yeah. a half. And I guess just given the nature of where you're at now, where you what the marriage was like, um, I have to imagine that a whole lot went wrong during the divorce. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You could say that how do you even begin to sum that up? <laughs> you know, it, that is,
1: um, again, lessons learned, right? You you don't know what you don't know. I remember my pastor saying to me when I first fled, um, because they had moved to Chicago. Um, so when I had first fled, I remember talking to them on the phone. And my pastor said to me, you know, Regina, like you're going to need to conserve your energy. Because at that point, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I was just so in such a state of you know, fight or flight, just survival mode. Um, My PTSD was crazy. Um, And I remember him saying to me, you're going to need all of your energy um, because the battle is just beginning. (laughs) And and I remember specifically like saying to him, no, 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 you're wrong. Like I've been in the ring. Like that guy is going to like ring the bell any minute and like raise my arm up. Like the fight is over. (laughs) <laughs> and this was like, you know, still in the month of June of 2019. So this was like, too long, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and I had no idea the wisdom that he had. I had no idea yeah. the, the battle that would lie ahead of me. And honestly, Annie, I'm so thankful that I didn't, because I don't know if yeah. I could have left. I mean, had I known right. all that I would have to go through and all that I would lose in this process of gaining my freedom. I don't know Mm -hmm. that I could have done it.
0: Yeah. And it's not like by saying you could have resurrected or saved anything. It would have just been more of the same. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because the more that I learned about boundaries and the more boundaries that I set to protect myself, the more he escalated to the point where I had no choice but to flee. I was living in a guest room behind a deadbolt. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. not really sustainable or healthy, you know.
0: No, not at all. And, uh, you know, I, can, I can't can really even imagine what that fleeing must have felt like with, you know, your children being, you know, left behind and that. And yet, I, the only thing I can compare it to is having left a more or less cult, like about 15 years ago, I guess it was. Um, I remember how much I had grown to love so many people there, and how, I had this decision to make that I was going to leave. There was no way I could stay. I could not stay there anymore. And, you know, I wanted to take people with me, you know, like, it's like, I always use the analogy of like the Titanic, it's going down and I got to get off this boat and get in a lifeboat. And there aren't very many people that are going to fit in it. And and in your case, you know, it was just you. And I mean, I, I just, I'm so sorry. I cannot even imagine. pain
1: and you know the funny the funny thing is not funny haha but funny odd is that this was temporary I mean, the first week that I left, I stayed with a girlfriend. I borrowed money from my best friend to retain a lawyer. I filed for legal separation, like bam, immediately. It was within one week. Mm -hmm. So this is literally temporary. His parents live out here. I assumed that he, because he kept saying, I'll do anything to save our marriage. I love you. you know. So I
0: assumed Mm
1: -hmm. that he would move in with his parents, that he would do the work that he kept talking about doing. And that yeah. he would give me the space that I needed to feel safe so that I could now heal. And yeah. that's the thing that I think gets sort of lost in, in the retelling is that this truly was temporary. And mm-hmm. the, the day that he got the papers... He retained a lawyer that very day and filed an ex parte motion against me. And that's where he said that I had the unidentified third party male supporting me, putting me up in a hotel, that I was a neglectful parent. He was taking me to court. We had a date already set for August and he was pushing for 100% custody and he was pushing to pay me zero support.
0: He did it the same day? That very day. Yep. Do you think he had been planning (laughs) it? I mean, how could he have filed it that day? You can't even get in with an attorney that quickly. So, so he had to have been planning it anyway before he got your papers, right? Well, here's the thing. So I
1: hired the lawyer that first week, filed for separation, had the paper sent via certified mail. These are all the things that you learn looking back now. And for your yeah, right. that you're coaching, you know, this might be wise information for you to give them too, Um don't serve it, send it via certified mail. He avoided the papers. He avoided the papers for several weeks. Yeah. And so meanwhile, yeah. I have nowhere to live. <laughs> and yeah. so,
0: that happens all the time. Yeah.
1: So I was afraid of, you know, having him served. I didn't want to anger him. I didn't want to create any more stress or chaos or any more reason for him to want to retaliate against me. So I figured that the gentlest way was to do it via certified mail. Um, and then my pastor and his wife came to town and we had coffee and he still had not picked up the papers yet. Right. So I am now moving from place to place, um, (laughs) trying to, you know, just survive until he gets the papers and then he moves out. And my pastor's wife was here and we were having coffee and I checked my email while I was with her. And there was an email from him saying, Hey, I'm taking the boys on vacation. Do you want to come and stay at the house and watch the dogs while we're gone? Mm -hmm. And my pastor's wife said, Regina, you need to send him an email right now and just tell him that you have filed for separation and that that's what those papers are and that he needs to go to the post office and pick them up. So that day I sent him an email and that is exactly what I said. And he Mm -hmm. did not pick them up. So I ended up having to have him served anyway. And the day that he was served was a day. So I do believe that, yes, once I sent that email, I believe that he got a lawyer himself, but that he waited to actually file the ex parte motion until he was served. So he came out fighting. Yes. And that was the moment I knew, you know, our therapist had said to me after I left, he said, do you think you know your husband? And I said, of course I do. We were together for 20 years. And he said, you don't know him. You only know the mask that he wears. He is a Mm whitewashed tomb full of dead man's bones. And I did not believe
0: that. And you're getting ready to meet him. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> awesome. When you filed for divorce, you're getting ready to meet the real yeah. him. I sure did meet him. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And oh, you got to laugh of, or you're crying. Right, exactly. <laughs> the laughter is a huge, huge it, Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I always feel irreverent, you know, to laugh at such a moment. But it's just, it, it's, yeah. I said this to one of my clients today, I said, one of the most difficult parts of my job is to sit with my clients and hold space for them and let them share their stories. And and as much as I truly care, they're telling me something that they are looking at me like I'm going to be surprised. And like, I'm, you know, can you believe that? And, and I'm like, I could literally finish your sentences. I already know what you're going to tell me. Yeah. It's like, there's a textbook out there for yes. this type of personality. And they've all read it. Yeah. They do the same things, they say the exact same yes. words. it's so predictable, and yes. yet all of us, myself included, yes. were blind to yes. it for years, if not decades, yeah. and yeah. it's it's just mind boggling when you think of it that way, yeah. but it's just you know yeah it's just that common. Mm-hmm. One of the most
1: helpful things in in my journey has been um. I'm a part of, I'm actually a leader in a domestic violence support group on Facebook, and there are 4,300 of us souls, beautiful women who are in various Mm -hmm. stages of, um, from as early as waking up to the fact that maybe they're in an abusive marriage, all the way to, you know, um, in the process of planning to leave, or now out and rebuilding lives, things like that. And I tell you what, when These women post their stories. It is exactly like you said, like you see that the tools that they use are so limited and they all use the same tools. It truly is textbook. And you're like, wow, did they get a degree in this? Or (laughs) how do they, I mean, the verbiage, all of it, it's the techniques, the tactics, it's all the same. And that has been oddly therapeutic.
0: Yeah, it, it is. I know what you mean. I, I had that exact same feeling both when I left the cult and when I left my toxic yeah. marriage. And I, I just remember like just there was such comfort in just knowing, oh, this I'm not alone. This happens to other people, it's right. just me.
1: And wow. it helps you to understand too, of like, okay, but, and to sort of predict what, and to not be surprised at what's coming down the pipe too.
0: Yeah, sure. And that is a big part of it too. When, when you do finally um, hit that done moment, um, if you're the, if you're the one leaving and you're, and you're choosing to file for divorce or separation or whatever, when you hit that moment, when you're just like, I can't do this anymore. I won't mm-hmm. do this anymore. It's, it's a very freeing and oddly, also very fearful place. Oh, yeah. Like it's, you know, I mean, it's just, you have it's the fear of the unknown you have no idea what's coming and yet you're just like i'll figure it Mm -hmm. out i I can't do this anymore yeah Yeah. you know i'll figure the other out and so Mm -hmm. it's a weird time yes yeah (laughs) so um you know back to our topic here parental alienation we're um we've spent about 45 minutes talking about your story and i I like to keep the episodes under an hour, but I wanted to know if you would like to close out today and maybe pick up some other time and talk about parental alienation and and more of the research that's been done on it, or if you're if you want to keep going today. You know, I think that
1: I I would love to talk about it some other time for sure. Okay. Um, okay. For today, I think my goal was just to shed a little bit of light on it. And also for mm-hmm. anyone out there who might be going through this themselves to let them know that they're not alone. Um, yeah, absolutely. And this can be very isolating and the grief process is intense and it's not mm-hmm. linear and it's perfectly okay. It is okay to grieve and to take as long as you need and to grieve in whatever way feels appropriate Um, there will be anger and there will be sadness and there will be joy and there will be all the emotions. And I just really want to let your listeners know that all those feelings are perfectly normal and healthy. And to just let them know that, again, this is a process. And this is a process that not many people can understand, thank God, because not a lot of people talk about it. Not a lot of people have been through it. But to just embrace this journey and to really continue to just put one foot in front of the other, and sometimes you just really need to go one moment at a time. And there are some Mm -hmm. really, really, really dark days, and the dark days will turn a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter and a little bit lighter to the point where then they just become dark moments, and it does get a little bit easier and a little bit easier as you continue mm-hmm. to move through this grieving process
0: yeah and i will say this i you know we're kind of talking about it from an aspect Of, you know, really in relation to your story and your particular story of parental alienation involves two children who are pretty much Mm -hmm. grown and making their own decisions. And also, your divorce is in the past. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who's listening, who those two things aren't the case, maybe their children are very young still, or maybe they are you know, either in the beginning or haven't even filed for divorce. And so we would be giving very different advice, you know, to someone like that. We're not going to tell you to grieve and just accept Mm -hmm. the loss. We're going to tell you to fight. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So we can probably have another whole episode on that because not only should you fight, but you should fight well because there are strategies that work and strategies that don't work. And there's Uh, You know, more probably more than a whole episode of of information that would kind of outline what that would look like. But, um, you know, we definitely want to uh, maybe in a future episode talk about you know what is parental alienation what is you know i've even heard the term just recently parental alienation syndrome and i've talked with a judge on another episode about that and what that even means if it's a thing you know what is the other party the offending party doing in parental alienation what are the kids doing what are you doing how can you do things that are more strategic and more um in your favor when it comes to a courtroom Um, there's a lot of different things that a lot of different effects that parental alienation has on everyone involved in it. And, you know, so there's, there's a lot to talk about here and we, I definitely want to talk about it, whether or not uh, you join me is totally up to you, but uh, we will definitely revisit this subject very soon. Maybe the very next episode um, to talk about all of those things, because, First of all, thank you so much for sharing your story. Stories are so important. People learn so much and gather such courage and strength from hearing other people's stories. So, that in and of itself is enough. But having the tools to fight, to not be in the situation you're in is equally important and then like i said obviously the acceptance and and the what can i do now and all of those things are all equally important yeah. um, aspects of this journey so thank you for for being here yeah for everything you've shared. Thank you
1: for all that you're doing. I just, I'm so grateful. Um, I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful for the opportunity that you have given me. I'm grateful for the work that you're doing. And I look forward to joining you again at some point.
0: Okay. That sounds really good. Is there anything else you would want to say in closing to that woman who's listening and can relate to your story in one way or another? No, I mean,
1: just, you're not alone. That's all. You're not alone and find, you know, a very small and mighty circle to support you.
0: Yeah. I thought of that earlier when you mentioned that something about that, that it's that, that is a key word though. Yeah. Small. <laughs> Keep that circle yes. small. Um, Cause most people won't understand yeah. and they'll do more damage yeah. when they don't even mean to. Yeah, Absolutely. So. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you again for being here and for sharing and we will definitely be um, getting on the phone again soon to talk about much more about parental alienation and what it is and and what to do about it. So, Listeners, stay tuned for that episode in the future. And if you have questions for me or for Regina, I would be glad to make a personal introduction to you. um, I mean, to her for you. So if if you would just email me, Annie at startingoverstronger.com and I'll make that connection for you. And if this is a battle you're fighting even more than I normally do with episodes, I'm really going to strongly encourage you to get on startingoverstronger.com and book a discovery call. That's 30 minutes of time that you and I can sit and talk about your situation and I can give you some direction on how to protect yourself and how to walk this out in a way that you can feel good about and hopefully see some victory in. So please, please do reach out if that's you. And I just want to thank you all for being here every Wednesday for more help as you divorce and hope as you are starting over stronger.